Hey everybody, this is Mark and this is episode 22 of the Hard Rock Core podcast. Thank you for tuning in and giving it a listen. I'm going to continue to be brief up front as I want to get to the conversation sooner than later. And today I'm going to bring you my conversation with Chad Gailey, drummer for the Bay Area band Necrot, who are one of the fastest rising bands in extreme music today and are about to release a crushing new album on August 28th via relapse slash tank crimes, we'll call it, entitled Mortal. Chad and I speak about staying busy during lockdown, writing the new album, how hard work pays off, his first drum kit, punk and hardcore bands, and much, much more. You can find the podcast where you're listening at it today, as well as on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor.fm, and it also goes live on YouTube the same day it comes out on all the podcast platforms. You can message me through Anchor.fm by clicking message on the main page, and maybe I'll play your message on a future episode. Please keep up with everything with me at hardrockcore.net where you can find music news as well as you can connect with me via the socials including Instagram, Twitter, the Spotify playlist, YouTube channel, and of course all the podcast information. And now my conversation with Chad Gailey from the band Necrot. On to the interview. Let's do this. Hey, Mark. How you doing, man? I'm wonderful today. How's uh, everything on the Bay treating you? Uh, everything's good. I just got done working out, and I'm about to do some orders. So, uh, yeah, everything's going pretty well right now. And, and and the shutdown process over there, what's it like in your area? Um. Well, I mean, everyone's acting like there's no fucking pandemic, so... Uh, I mean, I don't really know. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> acting like it's pretty normal, you know, like nothing's even going on. But, I mean, I've just been staying home for these past few months because uh, I, I personally don't want to get sick, and I don't want uh, anybody that I live with to get sick. So that's where I'm at. Nice. Now, you said you, you're getting some orders together. Is that pre-orders you're working on? Oh, uh, well, I, I – do merch for uh, Mortuous and Vastum, and um, I do it for my label as well. I used to do it for Necrop for the past seven years, but we have a third party doing it now. So, uh, yeah, and it's mostly just trying to get these merch orders set. Uh, usually do them every day. So. Well, that's good to know business keeps coming in like that, and that, that part of the business hasn't gone away. No, I mean, people are stuck at home, and they've got money, so <laughs> they want to they want to support their favorite bands and uh, get some cool stuff while they're at it. Well, cool. So, you know, as you guys are preparing, we're about a month away now from the release uh, of the album. This has been a very, you know, we've already touched upon it, kind of a weird year right now. When you guys were recording the album or writing it, was it pre-pandemic or, or during? When did you guys start writing well, we started writing, and um, I think Luca had some songs already worked out um, before our Decibel tour last year, and so um, he he had a few songs, and then I think we actually started like practicing and writing uh, around April after the Decibel tour, um, and then from April to about late August, we were just practicing every day, trying to learn all the songs, and then uh, Luca and I had some commitments with Vastem, and then. 
um, after that, Necrod did like three months of touring. Um, and then after the last tour we did in uh, November and December, we took like 10 days off and then got right back into practicing before we had into the studio in January of this year to start recording the new album. So you, you guys were already, I guess, pandemic clear at that point because it was already done by then. Yeah, I mean, we we were trying to have it ready uh, for our um, summer tour that was supposed to be in May and June of this year. So the only way that we could make that happen was if the record was completed no later than like the first week of March. So we had to have it recorded. We had to have it mastered. We had to have all the artwork and the layouts done. So we were kind of pressed for time. And, um, you know, we just wanted to make it happen to make sure that we were able to do our plans. And did you end up delaying the album because of the situation or was the August kind of your time frame you wanted to be putting it out? Well, the original release date was in June. I think it was like maybe the first or second week of June and we were going to be already like two weeks into a tour uh, when the album was going to come out. So we were going to have like all the copies and all the new merch for the album. Um, but you know, COVID pretty much canceled everything and we, we kind of held out to try and see if it would go away. Um, but it hasn't gone away here at least. So, uh, we decided to, um, push it back just, just a couple months and try to get it out as soon as possible. And with, you know, with all the bands, the merch, the label, how do you find time to do everything? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's a juggling act for sure. I mean, Necrot always comes first. It always has been um, since since the band formed. And so every every other band has to, uh, you know, come afterwards. And the label definitely takes a backseat. But, you know, it's, it's all just about how you prioritize your time. It's all about, you know, how productive you are during the day. And, you know, if you're, if you're able to, you know, manage it proficiently, then you're able to get a lot of stuff done. I mean, I'm, I'm going from at least like 8 a.m. till about, I don't know, maybe like around 6 or 7 p.m. every day. Just, you know, just getting stuff done. So it's all about just what you what you do at the time you're given. But you also must love it as well. Otherwise, you sure in the hell wouldn't waste your time on it. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I can be, I can be uh, doing a lot more relaxing things <laughs> than, than juggling all this stuff. But I definitely... I've loved it. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I've just put so much time into it and, and the opportunity is there. So why not take advantage of, you know, all the work that you've put in? Well, hard work does pay off, I believe. But if you go back to, uh, the young version of Chad, you know, when did you realize that music was your calling and this is what you wanted to do? Uh, well, I think, I mean, I'd always like wanted to play an instrument and, um, I think, I think it was like around like 11 or 12 is when I like tried to pick up guitar and that just didn't work out. So then I tried drums and that just, that came way naturally to me. And I think ever since then it was just, you know, I wanted to play drums and I wanted to play in bands. And, um, I think just like it kind of progressed from there and you just, you know, link up with the right people and they want to do the same thing. And, and then after that, it just, it kind of all falls into place. 
And what was your first kit like? Oh, it was, it was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) It was just a standard, you know, uh, starter kit where they, you know, I mean, it was, it was like a pretty functioning kit if you think about it, but like the symbols were crap. The hardware was crap, but I mean, it, it got the job done. You know, I, I have no idea where to start. Like you kind of, you kind of need to have like a kit like that. You can't just get like, you know, a a $4,000 kit and expect to know everything about it immediately. You kind of have to start at the basics and work your way up and, uh, go through, you know, some trial and error of what you like and what you don't like. And, and I think it was smart to start that way, but, um, it was definitely rough, you know, when I was first learning, trying to get over how bad, I sounded and then how bad the kit sounded. So <laughs> it was, it was all a learning process. I play drums too. And I, I know that feeling my first drum set, the hi hats were so thin. Like after the first time I sat down, they had little divots all across the edges from playing. Yep. And you know, those days like that. And then I remember playing when you, when I was first learning beach, you know, doing like eights on the hi hat, twos and fours on the snare, one and three on the kick. And then try to do like a, a, an eighth note on three, the three and, and then I try to do just quarter notes on the hi-hat. It took me a week to learn how to do that because I didn't have that. <laughs> I'm like, wait, my, my, my right hand would copy the right foot. Yep. Yeah, it, it takes time to get that, uh, that uh, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, um, like, uh, crap, I can't, I can't think of it right now, but it's just, it, it, yeah, it takes time to get the, um, like work on each, each limb individual, just get its own, its own muscles working and, uh, and basically like make it so that it's, it's not copying the, the actions of the similar foot or the, or the similar hand or whatever. And who were some of the guys that when you first started playing and getting your kind of, you know, you kicked the training wheels off and started playing properly. Who were some of the guys that inspired you early on? Um, well, I mean, when I was learning how to play, um, I, I took some lessons for maybe like a year, year and a half. Um, but I was always trying to like play punk and, and stuff. So I was always, you know, playing along the records. I'd be playing along to like Ramones and, uh, Discharge and, um, like Adolescence, The Addicts, like a lot of like the early kind of punk bands that started, started the genre sort of. Um, so like those drummers would be definitely inspirations. But then, you know, when I got into like death metal, uh, a little later on, I was listening to a lot of like, um, repulsion and napalm death and terrorizer and, um, bolt thrower, cannibal corpse, just trying to like emulate that style just because I wanted to play a lot of like blast beats and a lot of like, uh, double kick stuff. So it's, it, it was always, um, interesting to just listen to those bands and just try to copy as best I could. And I would even like, you know, practice in the car with like my fingers and, and my feet, just like trying to play along to the, to the, the CD or the radio. And that, you know, I think that it it just helps whenever you can find time to practice like that. I remember the first time I started hearing, um, well, I had a friend who worked at tower records and he'd always get promos and he gave me, uh, like a morbid angel CD, a dark angel CD, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And I started hearing that stuff for the first time. I'm going, how the hell is a drummer doing that? What the hell is he doing? <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. It's a, it's crazy to think of like Pete Sandoval, uh, and like, uh, Gene Hoagland back in the day, just like the, the first people really like getting that extreme with drums. And it was like, you know, nothing had ever been done like that. And just like the dedication that they put in, it's just, it's amazing to see like what people are capable of if they really like want, want what they're going for. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from, you know, some of the thrash guys, Lombardo or Benante or anything like that. But when, when Hoagland and Sandoval came along and started doing their thing, you're like, wait, we thought that was fast. Now what these guys are doing is just light years ahead of that. Yeah. (laughs) It was like untouchable. (laughs) Crazy stuff, man. So, so you're doing that and you start forming bands and you know, you've done different things and continue to do different things. How do you differentiate how you approach the music within the bands? Um, I mean, each band is, is pretty different. Like, you know, as far as like writing goes, I mean, usually you have like one person who comes up with like the, the guitar parts and they'll have the song and they'll form it. And then, you know, they'll bring it to you or they'll, they'll maybe, um, come up with like a drum map, um, at home and they'll just give you ideas of, what they want to hear, what they think sounds good. And then, you know, you can, you can use that or you can, you know, bring your own ideas in like, Oh, I, you know, I think this could work a little better. And so I think everybody, you know, each band kind of works a little differently, but, um, they, you know, I think all bands still give me some range to like, you know, I mean, they trust me. They know I'm not going to put up some whack beat <laughs> to their stuff. <laughs> so, you know, they, they give me a little, get a little range to, uh, have some, have some ideas, but I also like, you know, hearing what other people have in mind just because I might not have thought of that. And that could be way cooler than what I was going to do. And, and then it challenges me to actually like learn how to play that stuff. And, you know, cause I'm just trying to play what comes naturally to me, but uh, you know, sometimes you need to push yourself to learn the, the other stuff that somebody else is bringing to the table. And I think it's, it's awesome to just have all sides, um, you know, to work with. Yeah, I agree. I like to, when I play, I like it to feel natural, but I do agree sometimes when I, when I write stuff and I don't, I've never played in a death metal band. I played metal bands and crunchy type stuff and more hard, hardcore type stuff. But I, you know, if somebody says, Hey, don't do that there, try this instead. I'm always up for it because if it makes the song better, that's what matters most. Yeah, of course. You want, you want everybody to be happy and also just make the best song possible. So when you go in and you, you were tracking for, uh, for mortal, um, do you track with the guys? Do you track alone? Do you guys do it together? What's that uh, atmosphere like? Uh, we always do uh, live tracking. So I usually have, um, at least the guitarist with me when we're, when we're tracking the drums, just because it's easier to follow that way. I always follow the guitar. Um, when I'm playing, uh, I've tried doing click before and it's just like, you know, when you're practicing with a click, it's, it's always different from what the engineer has on, on hand for his click. Uh, so it's, it's just a little harder that way. And I, I always just feel more comfortable having somebody there. It just kind of feels like you're practicing instead of like, you know, recording this album that's going to be, uh, uh, around forever. <laughs> People are going to, judge you on that <laughs> would you ever get to that point in the studio where you're playing something and it's just it just doesn't feel right and you have to stop doing it and come back to it later 
Uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, you, you're in the studio for eight hours a day. And, um, when we go in, we always start with the drums first, um, just because it lays the foundation. So it's like, if I'm, if I'm just tired out from playing the same song or the same part over and over again, like, yeah, I'll have to take a break. I don't want to like, you know, injure myself or just, you know, get pissed off and, and break a drum head or something. <laughs> it's my, it, I always find for myself, it's gotta be, I gotta be in that right frame of mind. I mean, given you, yeah, it's a day and you got to go in and do it or however many days you're there, but I've got to keep myself in that mindset of I, I'm, I'm recording now because if I lose that focus, I start wondering and I always find myself the easiest part of the song is where I screw up the most. <laughs> it's always like that. You know, it's like the easiest part should be the easiest part, but it never is. It takes you like what, like 10, 15 takes. <laughs> yes. I, I, it drives me up a wall. I did some stuff late last year uh, with, with a project and this, the simplest beat was driving me nuts. I'm like, it doesn't feel right. I keep screwing it up or my kick is a little bit off here or there, or I'm not hitting the snare right. I'm like, you know, but then I was more worried about like the intricate changes in the song. Nailed those fine. It was a simple beats that killed me. Yeah. So you, you guys put out the, the, the first single uh, from mortal and you know, Seems to be getting a lot of great response. I even heard Josta talking about it on his podcast uh, about how, you know, he always says hard, you know, how it was. You know, there's a lot of good feeling about that. Do you guys pay attention to to what others are saying about it? Yeah, I mean, we see uh, a lot of the interviews and a lot of the, you know, the reviews that people will put up. But, um, I mean, uh, it's hard to, like, keep up with everything unless people, like, will tag us online about it just because there's, there's – a lot of a lot of talk about it, but you know it's it's always good when when people are able to uh, tag us and and then we can we can always see it. But a lot of the time, um, you know, we don't we don't get to see everything or get to hear everything. But um, it's it's really it's really cool that people are are um, receiving the album well so far, just off the off the three singles that we released uh, so far. So I'm I'm stoked for that, and I think people are really going to like this new album a lot. I dig it. I, when I got it from Ear Split, I, I was super happy and, and went to listen to it right away. I, I love the feel. I love the sound of it. I love the aggression on it, the dynamics you have. What's going to happen between now and August 28th? And then after that, what, what does the rest of the year look like for you guys? Well, um, we're, we're pretty much just, we're stuck. I mean, we, we were supposed to be in Europe right now. Um, promoting the album but we're we're just at home hanging um we're just trying to push the album as much as possible for the next month and then after that i mean we're just sort of waiting until the pandemic kind of uh clears out but you know who knows when that's going to happen i mean i'm really not like holding my breath for anything that's just sort of taking it day by day week by week um you know, we're trying to book tours for next year, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen and what regulations are going to be put in place um, if, if it's even going to be possible, you know. Somebody said it best I, I had on a, a recent conversation interview. They said, right now it's hard to make plans. It's more difficult to keep them because everything keeps changing. I said, you've said it the best I've heard it yet. 
by that way. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, everybody is trying to make something happen. It's just nothing can happen. Nothing knows or nobody knows when, you know, when shows can even happen. Have, are you guys going to go the live stream route? I don't think so. We won't, we, our, our shows are best witnessed live. And, um, it's just, you know, there's just a different energy that gets, um, brought forth when you're playing live and you can't really replicate that via live stream. It's just, you know, we don't want to give people, uh, you know, half of, half of what, you know, we can actually give. We want to give them the full experience when it's time to do that. Both sides of the coin, I agree with. There are bands who can do it and bands who want that. Because that, sometimes that fan interaction matters most, you know. Yeah. Some art bands, art rock bands who focus more on theatrics can maybe get away with it on a live stream because they don't need to show the crowd. They can just show all the pyro, the whatever they're doing on stage that takes away from some of the other stuff happening. But there are bands who rely more on the music and that fan interaction. Both are correct, in my opinion. Yeah, and I I think it works like you said it works for some bands it works it doesn't work for others and and I think we just want to wait to properly uh, unveil these tracks when it's time to do that. And that's that's smart to do. So uh, I, I know you've got a lot of press going on today, but any final words for your fans or want to mention any of the other projects you have going on? Um, well, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's um, supported. Necrot so far during all this and who's, you know, anybody who's pre-ordered an album or bought some merch. Um, just want to say thanks to Liz at ear split for, um, making all this happen and Scotty at tank crimes. And then, um, you know, uh, people haven't heard any of the new Necrot stuff or haven't heard Necrot yet. They can do so at our band camp, which is uh, necrot.bandcamp.com. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time today, and I know you're busy, and, and thank you for taking the few moments to speak with me. And once I get this up, I'll shoot you a link so you guys can share it as well. Awesome. Yeah, and thank you for having me uh, with the interviews. You know, I had a great time. Absolutely, man. Hopefully uh, we can get some shows going again here soon. I'm over in Sacramento, so hopefully we can get some things moving quick early next year for y'all. Yeah, it'd be cool to come back out there. Absolutely, man. Look, dude, take care of yourself. Have a great day. All right, you too, man. Stay safe. You bet. All right, bye. And that was my interview with Chad Gailey of the Bay Area's Necrot, who have an album coming out on August 28th called Mortal. I always love having conversations with drummers. As soon as drummers start talking and drummer language comes up, we hear and we click. I love that time. You can always find me online at hardrockcore.net. It has links for all of my socials, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify playlists, YouTube, and of course, all the podcast information, which is on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor.fm, and many other platforms. If you like what you heard, like, share, and follow. And for now, stay safe, stay true. Tell your family and friends you love them. Give them a hug and have an awesome day.